0: This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean.
1: All right, that's not the way to intro this podcast. I have no tagline. This is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McClain. Uh Today's guest is Manny Martin, who is a friend of mine. He is, I talked to Jay Hollingsworth on a previous episode, and we referenced Manny. I told a couple Manny stories. Uh, I think one, they were like kind of flattering, and in some ways not flattering. And we talked about them all. Manny and I did. Very cathartic this uh this podcast because I've had the opportunity to talk about some of my, my like biggest comedy failures and embarrassments. And I think maybe even more importantly, some of the some of the traits I see in myself that I'm not extremely proud of. Um telling Chase Myers, last week's guest, that I didn't like him when I first met him. Pretty cathartic. Maybe we'd be further along in our friendship if I wasn't such an asshole at the beginning. I wasn't an asshole, by the way. I was just, I was just a Seattle asshole, which is to say that I was not outwardly friendly to Chase Myers, uh, a guy who breaks the mold of Seattle assholes. <laughs> Quite a segue. Nobody will tell you that Manny Martin is not outwardly friendly. Now, I am certain that there are people to whom Manny Martin would like to not be friendly. I know there's people that he doesn't like. I think we reference a couple of them on this podcast. And uh, I know a couple more (laughs) that we talked about after the podcast. But he is... Such a friendly guy, such a nice guy, so supportive of local comics, and a guy who, as you'll hear on this podcast, has just been in the the right place at the right time, basically constantly. He very recently did, uh, he was a regular on The Jubal Show, which is a podcast from Jubal Fresh, a comedian in his own right. You could find Manny Martin on Twitter and Instagram at Manny Martin Jr. uh JR. He is He's been on Comedy Central. Oh my god. You know what we didn't talk about? I sent him a message after this this podcast. He opened at the Tacoma Dome. Completely sold out Tacoma Dome. Um which I think holds like Boy, I think it holds like 20,000. Let's see what it holds for comedy. Um, Tacoma Dome capacity 23,000. Let's see for concerts 23,000. That's a lot of people. He opened for Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, and Donnell Rawlings. Three comedy legends. If you don't know Donnell Rawlings, by the way, go check out. I actually think if you want to see Donnell Rawlings at what I would argue is his funniest, go watch the Something's Burning episode of it's Burt Kreischer's web series called Something's Burning with Donnell Rawlings and Red Grant. And Donnell Rawlings takes over the podcast underappreciated comedian. I think he's a, he's like a regular on the breakfast club, um, which that's a big deal. But the funniest, I think I've seen him is taking over Burt Kreischer's cooking show. So great. Uh, so anyways, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, um, Tony Rawlings more than Manny Martin. Manny is a guy that has, Always been supportive to me in my career. He's a comic. He's a true comic. Not everybody, he's got a a glowing personality, which makes people think he's, it makes people underestimate him, to be honest with you. Very funny on stage. And then a guy who is in comedy, I think, for the right reasons, which by the way means that there's like a segment of people that think he's in comedy for the wrong reasons. But in my opinion, he's in comedy for the right reasons. To be funny, to tell jokes, and to further other people who are funny and tell jokes and who aren't pieces of shit. Um, he's got another podcast coming out. Follow him. I, I don't think I can talk about it yet. But I'll tell you, if you like Manny Martin on here, he has another podcast coming out. And I'm going to do all the outro stuff. Oh! Oh! Here's a here's a personal, a housekeeping matter. They call it. My computer took a shit, or not? I mean, I, you go. You guys don't care about the technical, the technical stuff. I'm having computer problems, and I'm gonna have to send it in for warranty work. So, these intros and outros are gonna be very short for the next couple of weeks because I'm banking a couple of interviews. I have. After Manny, I have one more recorded uh, as you listen to this, I will have recorded another one with a guy that it, I don't want I don't want to jinx it but if you've been listening to the podcast on a regular basis uh, you probably know who it is <clears throat> and that they're gonna be short because I don't like I'm not gonna have current events to talk about because I'm gonna record them all this week. Maybe for anybody that listens to this podcast, shorter intros are better. Maybe your least favorite part of this podcast is me talking to myself. I wouldn't blame you. Uh, But if you like me talking to myself, I'm not abandoning it completely. I'm just not able to talk about current events because I will have my computer in the shop, which is also, I have realized, very liberating to not... It's like I can't... Having your computer... I've reached the point in my uh, comedy career, and my non-comedy career, where I do enough stuff on a computer that I don't have, I like, I don't need to surf the the internet on a computer ever. Like, I don't, I get plenty of time on a computer, but, oh, nobody gives a shit about this. Why am I still talking? Please enjoy my conversation with Manny Martin. He's very funny, and uh, I'm giving him a bad comedy intro now. Please enjoy my conversation with Manny Martin. Manny Martin, sup, man? It's been so long. I never thought we'd go this long without seeing each other.
2: Dude, it's been insane, man. Like, God, how many? You've you've actually done comedy since uh, since quarantine, though, right?
1: Yeah, I did one weekend at Tacoma Comedy Club. I'm doing I'm doing a backyard in Eatonville in Holy ten days or something like that. Yeah, Man. A, um, that'll be interesting. I, I'm very excited for it. That because <laughs> that that sounds like a hell gig six months ago, and I'm like, dude, it's the only thing getting me through this. You know, oh, is the fact well. that I've I've got this gig in uh, some. Asshole's backyard. I mean, I love you, whoever you are. I don't even know who they are. I have zero involved. The only thing I have is the PA. That's why I'm involved in it. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited. I get to do 30 in somebody's backyard. Holy shit! So wait,
2: who's uh, is anybody performing with you, or is it mostly just you?
1: It's uh, me and Josh Firestein. Oh, nice.
2: Okay, okay. That should be a good lineup. Yeah, man. It's just uh, it's just the weirdest thing. I like I've done backyard gigs before. It's not quite. You know comedy club status but I mean, yeah. it's got to be better than a corporate gig so
1: yeah i, I mean it. i think there's like they they know they're not getting a clean show mm-hmm. which is good because i actually they were like it might be a clean show and i was like you can borrow my pa like i don't i, I just, <laughs> listen dude i haven't a, i haven't a comedy in six months uh there's no. I'm only going to be more dirty than normal, not exactly. less dirty than normal. So I mean, I've I have done comedy. I did it. Uh, you know, I did five shows in June, and I've done a total of like nine Zoom shows. Have you done any Zoom shows?
2: Man, I've been trying to avoid them like the plague. Like I've been offered quite a few. Um, let's see. Oh think... fuck!
1: You're so popular, Manny. <laughs>
2: Jesus. There were people who were like, "Hey, man, you want to headline my Zoom show?" I was like, "Fuck <laughs> no." Uh, you know, it's just I don't know. It's it, you. You would know, but. I can only imagine, I mean, there's no crowd. you're not really getting the same sort of feedback. so
1: yeah, I mean, you don't get the same kind of feedback for sure. I think uh, a lot of people unmute their mic so you can hear them laugh. Oh, that's cool, which I didn't realize at the beginning. I was very much like I was anti for the same reason. like I can't when I saw people doing like the YouTube lives mm-hmm. or the or the Instagram lives, I was like, this is impossibly bad. I can't. It's <laughs> like even people I know are funny. And the only, like, the only good thing was there was, like, they'd have, like, four people in their apartment with them. Right. And those people would laugh unless they're taking a piss, and then for those five minutes, there's just, like, nobody there to <laughs> laugh. You know what I mean? And everybody that's I would allow into my house uh, has heard all of my jokes 750 times. Oh, my
2: God, dude. I can only, you know, it's, I... I like I'd be that asshole to just like heckle people. Like I would just yeah. I would unmute myself and just talk shit. I'd be like that was weak. <laughs> yeah.
1: I did a I did a show recently where so through Tacoma Comedy Club they've they've had like a bunch. The first one right. I did had 800 people watching, mm. uh, which the only like 50 people were unmuted, and that's like even that's too many because right. of those 50 like a certain amount are gonna lose interest and then. At the time, it was, like, really early on, so not every comic, I think most comics are getting better about, like, knowing what mic they need and uh, knowing that shit, but Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, it was a lot of, like, like a comic that I love and respect was holding a microphone but had no XLR cable coming out of the bottom, (laughs) so it was strictly just a, like, a pacifier.
0: Right, right, totally. Oh, my God.
1: I, it was like, oh, it sounds bad, and you look silly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not... Uh, and so, I think people have gotten their shit together, and you can, like, you know... Because what would happen is, people are laughing looking at their phone, right? Their phone's, like, uh, right in front of them. Yeah. And they become louder than the comedian.
2: Oh, shit. And so then okay. the
1: comedian, like, loses... Like, yeah, so there was, like, complaints in the chat about it, you know, the comics not loud enough and it's like well I can't tell somebody that's in New York fucking turn like I I don't even know how to diagnose their problem and solve it exactly. let alone like in the middle of their set I'm not gonna god so um
2: wait so let me ask you this do they record them because it's like that's one of the big things I was worried about is like I don't want to put out brand new material and then now everybody knows this joke and it sure. doesn't have the same pop every time I'm like, you know, working on it and trying to build it up.
1: Well, I know you have a fucking arena tour coming up, so the, <laughs> you, you run a pretty severe risk of those one of those 51 people that are going to see you across 11 shows uh, <laughs> like not laughing and you'll notice. Uh, there is There are settings in Zoom that don't allow people to record okay. in Zoom. I mean, probably somebody... I am sure there's a way that you can get around that. I've never, uh, I would say that none of the shows are like so good that you're like, like even the best comedians, like the best I've seen someone do yeah. is still worse than I've seen them do on stage. Right. You right. know what I mean? Okay. Like, so it's not like you're like, oh my God, I got to remember this Zoom show for the rest of my life. Dude,
2: it's, it's so bad because, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever knew this, but I did, uh, I've done quite a few roasts for the Seahawks. Right? Yeah. And the first one I ever did was for Doug Baldwin, and it had Richard Sherman, Ricardo Lockett, and um, and I just said, like, it was my first real roast, and, like, what a horrible thing to be a part of if you don't know how to roast somebody. So I'm oh, just yeah. saying the meanest, most awful shit I've ever thought of in my life, and uh, they didn't want anybody to record it at the parlor, but somebody did, and it's up oh, yeah, on YouTube course. somewhere, so it's just... Oh. I,
1: wrote, uh, I wrote some jokes for the Tyler Lockett. I think it was the Rosa mm. Rosetta. Like I wrote some for a dude named Alex Carson, okay, who's uh, Lucas Seeley's friend that doesn't do comedy, which right. I don't like. I by the way. Uh, never been more offended than when a guy I used to write on a blog with got to do a roast at parlor and, uh, I didn't get fucking asked. Uh, he's like, like I wrote on a baseball blog. He's like, Oh wow. You do comedy now. Can you help me write some jokes? And I'm like, you piece of shit. Like I emailed him about this. right? Uh, specifically, um. yeah. uh but, uh, yeah, I got a couple, I think I got a couple jokes in. I think a couple of them. They were like, it's too mean for a non-comic to say. Right, right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, I had one, I think Drew Barth might have said one of mine on a, another roast. I said that uh, the only thing further apart than Michael Bennett's eyes are him and the Seahawks in contract negotiations. <laughs>
0: and, yes, that is priceless. Oh, yeah, great joke.
1: Um. Because he does have a fucking hammerhead shark's. uh, Yeah, I don't mean. I I think you know that's why he's
2: like genetically like predisposed (laughs) to being just a monster of a man. He can
1: he can see shit that we can't see because his eyes are looking like a fucking. (laughs) He's got like GoPro angle. (laughs) He's like he's
0: like a deer. You know how they're like prey and have their shit on the side of their head. Hilarious.
1: Uh, (laughs) But yeah, that's that's. I was gonna bring that up, but yeah, I think those. I've always wondered if those would get recorded. I have um. I've tried to book a roast. There's a specific guy in Tacoma that I think I could get pretty good turnout. Nice, a uh, uh, sports writer, okay. and I think a lot of people would be willing to roast him. And I think <laughs> a lot of people. It's Ryan Divish. I'm not gonna fucking hide. Oh, yeah, him, right? yeah, yeah, there you go. He's a great dude, but he's also like a fucking crumb bum on the internet, and people love to shit on him. And yeah. so I think that would be really fun. But my biggest worry is it's like. Dude, am I gonna get Bob Condotta to fucking swear at Ryan Divish, <laughs> and now they both lose their jobs over this? You know what I mean, dude? And it,
2: it's it's the worst time with like cancel culture right yeah. now. Yeah. Oh man, it's and like roasts you say.
1: rely on mm-hmm. like the surface level worst jokes you can think of all the shit that you're not allowed to say as a stand-up comic right you you that's what you have to do in a row exactly but you know it oh
2: man it just takes that getting on the like on the internet and then somebody being like oh look he's a monster of a human being and you're just you're done man it's like there's just no learning or oh god i'm you know i won't get into it
1: well i was actually wondering so you're i guess i'll give the uh the listeners uh, including my mom, mostly. <laughs> a background on you. You're former uh, Parlor Live house MC. Yes. Uh, you've been a comic for a long time before then. Mm-hmm. And I think, like Parlor, especially once they started doing the open mic again, you gave a lot of people chances that were not getting chances at other clubs,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. You know, definitely tried to. Um... You know, when we first started out, there was one host, you know, and Parlor is such a weird and unique experience in its own right because it's, it was like really glitzy, glammy. I wouldn't even say it's like, it wasn't the best comedy club. Like, I'll I'll just come out and say it. Tacoma Comedy Club does it right. It's Mm -hmm. what a comedy club should aspire to be. Um, Parlor was more of a like, like a nightclub. I guess it's like kind of ritzy and everything else, but for me, it was important you know, to have opportunities. Like when Jay was there, he was the only host. And then I'd step in every now and then. But I was like, we're doing a disservice to the crowd because it's just one comic with, you know, all these mm. different headliners. And it's like, dude, open it up. I was like, I know that there's great comics out there. There's you, there's, you know, uh, Me. Andrew.
0: <laughs> Basically just you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, I, I will say this though. The interesting thing, that uh it did open up like pandora's boxes like not everybody was deserving of being a host like you crushed it when you when you were there um not every person who thinks that they're a dope comic is gonna be able to host or feature or do all these other things but you know how it is when you know you've got an open mic people think that they're a lot stronger Mm -hmm. than what they actually are and i'm just like my biggest thing is just be ready when your your number is called yeah but um you know, I've seen it time and time again where somebody's like, "Dude, you got to let me get on that stage and rock it," and then they just tank, you know.
1: Yeah, of course. And I and I by the way, I wasn't just saying it to kiss your ass because I, <laughs> I do have a I have I told it on the episode with Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh the first time I did the parlor open mic, uh maybe not the first time, but it was I I went there with Jay or I met uh Jay there to do my podcast at the time with Jay. Mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And uh, it was the first time Jay had been like Jay had seen me do comedy, right? And I was trying out a new joke that was a uh, this joke. So I have this joke. I like on when I write it on a set list, it's called Black Friend. Uh, <laughs> it's I wrote it bef- It's the second joke I ever wrote. I wrote it before I did comedy. Okay, and. Uh, Certainly, it wasn't like formed and tied at the time, mm-hmm. but I. It took me eighteen months to build up the courage to try it. Hell yeah! Because it's not like, it's not like. I mean, it's not racist. Yeah. But yeah. it fucking pushes. It makes you like a little bit uncomfortable at multiple points that like, I might go that direction. Right. Like that totally. direction's available. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never go that way in the joke, but I remember. It going extremely well, and like there was not much audience there. Oh yeah,
2: like it. It, it normally there wasn't. Yeah.
1: yeah, and uh, and and you came up to me and you're like, oh, I think you sent me a message the next day. You're like, dude, can you MC? And I was like, yeah. Friend Jay was headlining, and then David Attell was there the rest of the weekend. Yeah, and I was already booked, and then it took me fucking eighteen months to nail you <laughs> down again.
2: <laughs> it was hard, man. It was like you know, you think about it, you've got you know. Four weekends out of the month. And I'm like, I know I'm going to work at least probably two of those. Yeah. You know, and it's, I mean, it was a, it was just some of the best pay. It was 375 bucks for the weekend to host. And I'm <laughs> I just like, you don't want to pass that up. But at I the know. same time, I used to hate hosting. And mm-hmm. it was just like, after a while, I'm like, you know what, let's open it up to other people. Because who knows, this might give somebody the exposure, get in front of a headline, or maybe they get taken on the road. That's always been my, like, ideal is that. There's room for everybody to succeed and it's like why the hell not put these guys in, or especially the guys that you know are going to do well. Yeah. So, but at the same time, I opened up Pandora's box and then you have got people hitting you up, "Hey man, let's do a show. Let's mm-hmm. let's book this." And then it's just a shit show and they don't bring people and yeah. they don't hold up their end of the bargain. But Well, I mean, that's
1: I- that's what I would say though is like I would say that the parlor got cuz there's like a sensitivity in Seattle comedy where I think that one a place like the parlor where the open mic doesn't have a lot of audience when there are actually a decent amount of open mics that do have a lot of audience right that's hard to convince someone who's sensitive about a lot of things to mm-hmm. go do right and then there's like certain comics that have material right. that is uh like breaks the rules of seattle right and i felt like uh not to like borrow a corny phrase but it always felt like a safe space mm-hmm. for comics to do material and i feel like if i would have done the black friend joke and it was fucked up <laughs> right and racist
0: <laughs>
2: right
1: you wouldn't have gone to facebook about it first no exactly you know what I
2: mean? yeah i would i would have been like yo casey like just that's the joke Is a little more rough than what you're, you know, you're putting out there. I don't want you to be, you know, looked at as this guy. So, you know, I would take a step back, you know, look at it, tell me what you think, you know, maybe run it by another black friend and see what they think. (laughs) 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 And then go from there. But that's the thing. I, I miss the days of being able to, you know fail and then come back and try again mm-hmm. right now it's it doesn't feel like there's a safe space to do that they're like oh you're automatically labeled this because you thought of this like for instance uh god rest her soul but uh mary kay letourneau i had a little thing that i was testing the waters with where i said something along the lines of was i the only person who thought she was like attractive you know mm-hmm. like asking for a friend some dumb shit like that on facebook and uh, just the number of people who lit me up and was like Oh, yeah, Manny, it's funny to make pedophile jokes. I'm like, holy shit, man, you know, like, I'm not talking about the whole kid thing. I'm just saying she was hot, whatever. And yeah. honestly, 13-year-old me, I would have been like, damn, let's dude. yeah, I'm a pervert
1: at 13. So. Dude, I was like, I I was like ready to pour out a fucking glass for her the other day <laughs> when she died. Like, dude, I fucking had a crush on Mary Kay Letourneau. Mary yeah. Kay Letourneau was the subject of... Of a lot of young man's dreams. Yeah, you know, and way. it's like,
2: you know, I'm not promoting any type of pedophilia, anything like that, but at the same time, it's like being a 13-year-old dude and then hearing that there's this other kid who's like your age and he's like hooking up with this hot blonde, you're like, damn, like, good for him,
1: you know? Yeah, dude, so, it, it, it set an unfair expectation and created an entire genre of porn for our generation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Mary-, uh-huh. Mary Kay Letourneau's family deserves royalty from yes. razzers
0: you know? <laughs> Pornhub needs to just like write them a check right yeah, now dude. They, they
1: it, a, there's like a, a, a class action lawsuit or whatever the opposite <laughs> is where a bunch of sources owe one person money there's a copyright claim in there somewhere <laughs> yeah man I think that's the tough thing is like I can't it, I, the way that I've always thought of comedy when I was a fan of comedy and when mm-hmm. I started doing comedy is I only give a shit if it's funny right. and it's gotta be defensible Right, you know what right. I mean? Like, like I I have to be able to go like this isn't just a cheap racist joke, right? Exactly. It has to be. I'm even okay with a racist joke to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I mean, think I I think it's just got to be nuanced and worth the punch, right? Exactly. And also, yeah. like, if I look like the racist, please understand that I know I am the butt of the joke, right? Right. Exactly. Like, I will go. I will say shit. I'll say shit on stage that I don't believe it.
2: Right. Yeah. You know and. That's the thing. It's like, I mean, if I'm making a joke about something, most of the time I'm going to be the butt of the joke. Yeah. But, I mean, still, I just, I want young comics to be able to come in, be able to fail, learn from it, and then go back out and be like, okay, you know, because if you look at my material from when I first started out, this is like 2008, 2009, I'm doing like 9-11 jokes that are horrible. And, you know, like... The crowds are turning on me and all kinda of shit. And if you know, if if there was cancel culture back then like there is today, there may not be a Manny Martin. I would have never been on Comedy Central. I would have never had those. Oh fuck. You know, that's right. You're on
1: Comedy Central. I hate that about you so much. <laughs> God. Just Dude. every every fucking four-leaf clover in your life.
0: You know, it's so funny
2: because I feel like I'm the comic that tries the least. And I really need to go about, like, really pushing forward and trying shit.
1: Yeah, uh, I fucking want to end this interview. Dude. This is <laughs> so upsetting. I forgot about... I, like, I... Oh, man. Uh, yeah. You... But... So, one, one morning I woke up and Manny Martin was the subject of some controversy, which we don't need to say any names, but I do want to talk about it because... Yeah. It, I thought one of the things... The person... Uh, I don't remember what the origin of it was, but I remember the person saying... Well I don't even really count you as part of the comedy community oh, anymore. Yeah, that. dude,
0: that shit was
2: just bananas.
1: But that's like a great example of how people walk a walk but or they talk a talk, but they don't walk the walk, right? Because right. yeah. Yeah, comedy is fucking segregated you fucking idiot like yes <laughs> comedy yeah you didn't see the fucking black mc at parlor because right. you don't make it south of fucking olive in seattle you know <laughs> what i mean like of course you've you don't see manny martin a lot
2: right oh god you know it's, it's so fascinating because it's like if you really think about it i mean how many mics do you get to like a, a pre-quarantine i mean you try how many to go to as you few as to?
1: i can I, I probably do three sets of Three or four sets a week is right amazing. and that's
2: i think that's great you know but it's like after a certain amount of time you're just like i don't want to go dick around for two minutes at you know some bar oh, show for sure and for sure. you know and that's where some of these guys are at and they're the king of that bar room you know yeah. and i'm like good for you but at the same time i would rather go waste my time you know at a tcc where you're going to get more exposure yeah. you know and get a chance to do a weekend or go over to underground where, you know, even if they're going to give me three minutes, there's the opportunity for a weekend show. Yeah, but I'm not going to go dick around with, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, like, okay, I'll say this. Um, Not, I think Jai is a great room, but I don't know if it holds the same the weight as being able to do a weekend at the underground or uh, TCC or Spokane, <clears throat> you know. And some of these guys, I mean, they're probably the king of that room on a certain day. But you know, they don't see you and they don't think that you know they don't realize you've been in this scene for over 12 right. years. so yeah
1: I think that's the thing is like it doesn't even matter if Jai Tai is or any room like that Jai Thai is the Seattle room, but if you're not in Seattle, it's the like Alti room. it's the it's right. the it's a this is comedy in the back of a Thai restaurant by the way, hot crowd it's why people don't do, uh hard open mics because yeah, right. they because it's like the open mic there is better than most showcases you do oh, right hands like down and, you know and then Aaron
2: Ingle has great uh showcases over there that she yeah. puts on and you know so they they have a great you know great room in their own right but also am I going to go out on a weekend just for 20 bucks i don't know maybe right. i you know
1: <sighs> I, I also think like to me the the deal is it's i would rather do 10 mm-hmm. in a shitty bar then three and have to wait three and a half hours. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like I place my, uh, my emphasis is on ease of like getting the time. Mm -hmm. So at that specific place, there was like a contest that I felt like I should have been in two years earlier. Right. And I'm like asking every year to be in it and just like getting the like quiet snub there's never a yeah. no it's mm-hmm. just like we'll ignore your email until we can officially say it's like fully booked right. and, then, and then fine it's fully booked whatever I understand what's going on I don't care and then I do it and I'm fucking frustrated by <laughs> every part of it right and I would yeah. just rather do I think I get more doing 10 minutes mm-hmm. at a place that actually wants my comedy or wants comedy kind of like mine Exactly. Then waiting three and a half hours to do three. And I think
2: that's the big thing, right? Know which rooms you're going to benefit from. I'm not saying don't go try other rooms, but I'll be honest with you. There's certain rooms I just know I'm going to struggle in. So it's like, I'm not going to go waste my time in a room like this. Um, like for instance, you know, for a long time I was afraid of black rooms. You know, you hear the way I talk; I use all my syllables. Sometimes they, have, <laughs> you know, what I mean? they look at me and they, you know, they're like, mm, "Do I trust him?" And then once the jokes start going, it's fine.
1: But He's it's... a little too articulate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but I mean, you know. By the way, this is
1: a this is a time in our lives where mm-hmm. people my age are having to explain to like family members that we love and right. no, to not be racist the calling someone articulate is not a tremendous compliment it's like <laughs> exactly. oh you pronounce all the consonants in your words congratulations yeah. Uh,
0: you've, you've yeah done
2: <laughs> dude it's so crazy though back to the uh the whole controversy you know i don't know if i ever broke that whole thing down for you they were upset that there wasn't enough lgbtq and female comics on there oh, but really? you know originally uh people didn't know this there were probably like You know, it wasn't the biggest festival, and it they called it a festival, but it wasn't really.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I remember what it was. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, anyways, there was supposed to be a total of I think maybe like eight comics on this whole
1: lineup. Fuck! This is a festival. I'm mad that you were part of. uh, Yeah. Exactly right.
2: (laughs) And so there were two. Originally, there were two LGBTQ comics on there. There were two women that were also supposed to be on there, and then I think there were two black comics and Asian comic. And then I think Jubal, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, the two LGBTQ comics dropped out, the two women comics dropped out uh, because they had something better going on in the money, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, they just had to scramble last minute to fill all these spaces and, you know, all these comics are just pissed off and they're like. Well, Manny, you know, I just, it's not a festival if there's not representation of this. And I'm like, fuck, I don't even know if it is a festival. It's just a, a <laughs> showcase of whoever they could get. But, you know, there's always going to be somebody salty that they weren't that comic that was picked. And, yeah, me. It is what it is. <laughs> it's me. That's I'm the first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's
2: I, there's shit that I'm upset that I didn't get. You know, I can't tell you how many things I've been like runner up in. Like NBC came out here. I literally got to their like final showcase and then nothing, right? And then uh, what else? I just me and Monica and Nevy this year, we got uh, an invite to Just for Laughs um for an audition for their new faces show can't do that because of quarantine. And then the previous year we were in their final running and it's just like,
0: it's always something,
2: you know,
1: dude, I'm so glad quarantine happened. Now it's all (laughs) worth it to fucking slow your career down.
0: Just to shut my shit down. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, and and, uh, one of the other things about you letting people in is you have allowed people and I'm, I'm uh, I mean, this as a compliment, but you've allowed people to, perform there who have since been like exiled by the comedy community oh my god and i think you have to take that risk right like the you don't get you don't get to do a background check on every comic that comes in
2: that's the thing and it's like i i will always like i've seen people's like comments and they're just like oh you let him perform here it's like dude i didn't know the dude was you know it's like like you said i can't do a background check on everybody i mean if i hear something. I'm gonna definitely confront them and be like, "Yo, man, I don't like the way that I'm hearing that you're like making women feel uncomfortable. Yep. Gotta like ask you to like step back." I'm gonna do, you know, but here's all something also. I truly believe in you have to be able to do your due diligence and research the thing because it's like that shit doesn't work in the real world. It 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 can't always just be their word against your word, right? Because even with an HR violation, they're gonna go ask what happened, you know. So it's like, yo, help me to better understand. Because there is a difference between assault and then a verbal abuse. I don't think either are okay. You shouldn't talk well, to anybody. okay, for sure. But the punishment's yeah, exactly. different. You know, but it's like, I also need to know if I need to get the cops involved with something, yeah. you know, to make sure that you're safe. And I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable, but... You know, it's, yeah. this is it's it's definitely a time of learning and growing, and things are changing. You know, so yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, some of those people are being exiled for material. Also, I do want to right. talk, I, do, I want to talk about the you being scared to perform in black rooms because <laughs> uh, this is actually something that I first off uh, I'm obsessed with trying to perform in front of black audiences. Yeah, yeah. That's the truth. It's like I and part of the thing is, and this is like the main. This is like the credo that I have, and you can I wanna know what you think about this. Yeah, yeah. If I'm gonna tell a joke, a mm-hmm. racial joke. Yeah. I better be willing to tell it in front of the people that it's about. hmm Because if I'm not, then I'm saying it's not okay. Exactly. And if mm-hmm. I'm saying it's not okay, then I shouldn't be telling it.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Anything short of that, like like uh if you are not willing to tell if I if I uh am not willing to say something about somebody being gay right. in front of gay people. Mhm. Then I'm then the joke's fucked up. Exactly. It's too fucked up to say in front of Now for some reason in the in 2020 or 2019 when comedy existed uh <laughs> white audiences are the ones who are offended by most racial material. True. But what So What what what's the, like, what's the blackest audience you've performed? What's the, <laughs> what's the largest black audience you've performed in front of, and where? Uh,
2: you know, Parlor used to have these, like, one-off shows from time to time, and I will never forget the, the worst one was after, I told you about my Amanda Knox story, right?
1: Oh, I think I'm, I, I, I'm I worried that I'm confusing it with someone else's Amanda Knox story. So oh, okay. Well, anyways, about.
2: I have a crazy Amanda Knox story. We won't get into that right now, but anyways. Why are it was, we
1: getting into it?
2: Oh my god! Okay, well, I'll just tell it. Um, it's not you know like hidden anybody. So I had she met...
1: might murder both of us. <laughs> That's the worst that could happen. <laughs> so okay,
2: long story. Uh, but I was doing a podcast with Silas, right? And we're interviewing a book author. Um, didn't know the book author. Didn't know his girlfriend. But she comes in. She's sitting in the corner, real quiet, real nice. She's sitting there. She's knitting. Uh, towards the end of the podcast, this guy's got to go to the restroom. So. Um, Silas takes him to the restroom. I'm sitting there talking to her. She's just knitting. Um, They come back in. We wrap up. They leave. And Silas looks at me and he's like, "Hey man, what'd you think of Amanda?" I was like, "Oh, super hot, nerdy like us, dudes winning in life." He was like, "Yeah, you'd never think she allegedly murdered somebody, right?" I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> he was like, "That was Amanda Knox. You were alone in the room with." And I, I didn't, I That's like, I so didn't funny. put two and two together. And I looked at him and I was like, "Silas, you left me alone in a room by myself with an alleged killer." with two sharp fucking objects, right? I was like, that's like me leaving my wife alone (laughs) in a room with OJ, and she doesn't know who the fuck OJ is, Silas, right? And my wife is white, for people who don't know. And so, I, get get
0: on, yeah, I tell kidding. this on yeah. Sta- <laughs> I, t- I tell this on stage. I need
1: you to sta- laugh. That that laugh actually was dubbed in. I needed the laugh to be there <laughs> to make the joke acceptable.
2: <laughs> so I tell that joke on stage. Um, probably blackest room I've you know like it, it, that I had been in in a long time. No white people. I get off stage. Uh, you know Brian Dennis, right? Security oh, yeah. guard. Yeah. So Brian comes up to me. He's like, "Yo, man, these these three white girls that are really pissed at you. One of them is <laughs> in the hallway and wants to talk to you." And I'm like, "All right, cool." So I walk out, and uh, like five foot two girl, hoop earrings, long nails. She's like, "Yo, you're a bitch." I'm like, "Whoa." I'm like, "Okay." She's like, "Yeah, you're a fucking asshole." I'm like, "Slow down." I was like, "Who are you?" She's like, "My name is Ashley." I'm like, "Okay." She's like, "Ashley Knox." I'm like, "Oh fuck, right." <laughs> so. Uh she just berates me in the hallway. She's like, yo, you compare my sister to OJ. Difference is my sister was found not guilty. And I'm like,
1: Oh, bad news for you, yeah. I was like, yeah,
2: I was like, so was OJ. That didn't mean he didn't do it. You know what I mean? I didn't say that out loud, I kept it up here. And uh she said some other stuff. She was like, you know, my sister just wants to live her life in peace. And I'm like, oh, you mean like that chick she killed? But I kept it up here, didn't say that out loud, right? <laughs> Horrible. And so I was like, you know, it's a dumb joke. I won't tell it anymore. Amanda came out. I apologized to her. She was, like, crying. I felt horrible. But then, you know, the way they berated me in the hallway, you know, there's a second show. And I'm like, you know what? I got a better chance of winning the Powerball than this actually happening, right? So I go out on stage for the second show. And I look out at the crowd. I'm like, are there any Noxes in the room? Nobody makes any noise. So I'm like, I'm safe. (laughs) I tell it again. just with But with all the tags, I just added on to it, right? And uh, somebody was recording in the back of the room. So I get home long ass message on Facebook from her sister. She was like, yo, bitch, <laughs> you better watch your fucking back. You know what? She was like, you she was like, you got me fucked up. I'ma fuck you up. You know, it's a small world. I know where you live. I'm like, yo. I was like, are you really making threats online? Like this isn't making your family look any more yeah. sane. She, you know? It's a real and Soprano
1: she, situation. Yeah, going on for there. real. And I'm like, yo,
2: I'm like, are you really making threats? And she's like, no, I'm just saying I'll ruin your career. I'm like, bitch, what career? I'm at <laughs> parlor. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not doing shit with my life. And so she, we go back and forth, I apologize and then I accidentally thumbs up her comment, whatever, right? And so uh long story short, the next day Amanda writes me long message. I felt bad. I added some tags to it and stuff, you know. But uh I like it, it's it's actually like a great joke now that I still kind of tell on stage. I try not to, because I don't want to <laughs> piss those people off.
1: You got to you got to watch your back anytime you're telling. Exactly. But
2: um Long story short, that that second show that night, I only got one laugh on stage, and that was like that crowd first off, it was a black crowd, so they they already intimidated me a little bit. Ralph went up before me to host.
1: Oh, they yeah. didn't laugh at shit he Ralph said. Porter. So I'm like
2: Yeah, Ralph Porter, one yeah. of the best uh, you know, comics in the country. Yeah. Um But I saw him bomb, so and here's the thing. Oh, the really? show, yeah, he bombed, and I'm Whoa. like, fuck, right? So they're gonna eat me alive. But The show was a Sunday show, not even a Monday holiday, Uh, was supposed to start at like 9 p.m. The show didn't start till 11 p.m., so these people (laughs) are already pissed. So I go up there, you know, and it was just like, oh, my God, I just ate it, like. One girl in the crowd was actually laughing with me, and that was it. And I, like, I was trying to tell parlor I was like, I don't even have to go on stage if you don't want me to, you know? And they were like, no, <laughs> you're doing your fucking time. We're paying you. So, uh, long story trying to get off stage, this one guy yells at me. He's like, Manny, you bombed, right? And through the chains, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, but I still got your money, bitch, and, like, walked off. But it was just like, oh, my God, man. It, there's something about black crowds, like, especially, like, the hood crowds, where it's mm-hmm. like, I just know that that's not necessarily – My demographic, you know, it's like for people who don't know me, I was like kind of I went to Catholic school when I was younger and then I went to private or then I went to public school. And that was like some of the hardest times for me because I was I spoke so proper. My mom didn't buy us baggy jeans. So it was like, oh, my God, if you have never been like just like talk shit about by black people like they will crush your soul you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i had high waters they were like why don't you put your shoes up motherfucker you know just like <laughs> mean as shit you know what i mean why your mother on welfare i'm like yo we're not on welfare we just don't have nice shit you know so <laughs> yeah I, so you carry it with you you know what i mean and it's just like all you want to do is be accepted by your people so there's this extra weight when you do a show you know that you just want to be loved by everybody And some of those people in the crowd, they aren't even as hood as they claim to be, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's just like, there's always this extra weight. And I will say this, I think that when it comes to white comics, black audiences will give them benefit of the doubt for a little bit. They'll give them like 30 seconds more than they'll give uh, a black comic. Black comic, you gotta come out like first 10 seconds to 15 Mm -hmm. seconds, or you just, you lost them. So So
1: my my best experience Performing in front of a predominantly black audience is, uh, like a Thursday. I get a text at like ten a.m. and they go, right. "Can you feature at Tacoma Comedy Club?" Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Curry didn't bring a feature, and we might might have been later than ten. And I like yeah. had stuff going on, and I'm like turning over my fucking life because I'm like, this is gonna be a fun weekend. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I go up the first night, and they hadn't. Uh, They're like, Mark Curry wasn't there mm-hmm. yet. So the show starts, MC goes up, they're fucking hot. Uh, I go up and they're like, listen, he, we still, we can't even get in contact with him. So you got to just stay on stage yeah. until we, we will light you. But until then, you yeah. have to stay on stage.
0: Oh, well, that sounds like some Mark shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah, cause he's probably done parlor.
2: Well, not even that. Um, so he's really good friends with my aunt, my uncle. Uh, oh, before okay. Before I started comedy, he was the first person to call me and give me advice. So,
1: oh, that's cool. So he's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is. I'm gonna tell this story as if I didn't know that because I think it, <laughs> he <laughs> yeah, might not come it. out yeah. of it looking perfect. But, uh, yeah. so I go, I go up, dude, and I. So they were like, just do as much time as like maybe thirty, but uh, do as much time as as it takes. Right. And so, I hit. 33 minutes and they gave me the light damn and then at 30 so I, i'm like finish the joke i go to get off stage and mark is still giving his credits to the mc <laughs> so i go to get off stage and there's nobody there so i go back out and do like four more minutes yeah but dude uh i crushed harder than i've ever crushed ever but this is the this yeah. is what i realized is the secret because the rest of the weekend i'll tell you the story of that also mm-hmm. uh I got so this black friend joke can be tricky yeah if I don't get a lot of time before so it's right. like a 9 minute story mm-hmm. and if I'm doing a 12 minute set it's hard to build up the the trust from the crowd for, for sure that I'm not a racist or that I'm br- <laughs> and that I'm bringing this up for like good reasons right. i guess And so I did like 22 minutes, go into the black friend joke. I have, luckily I got video and good audio of it. I sent it to all the guys in the joke, by the way. And they're like, I can't believe your memory is that good. (laughs) Like this is, I fucking, dude, it goes better than ever. I have like, like I had this, I'll never forget this. A bunch of people came up to me after the show uh, and were like, that was so fucking funny. You know, I can't wait, you know, let me know. We'll see you again, whatever. Uh, one guy comes up, he goes, this is my wife friend. And he's like, <laughs> I took a picture with him and his wife friend. It was really funny. Uh, so anyways, the next couple nights, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, your aunt's uh, friend, Mark Curry, smokes a little bit of weed. Oh yeah, hands down, uh, yeah, easily. He also uh, does a little bit of extra time on stage. I'm not oh, sure if you're aware yeah. of <laughs> Oh, birds of light, like nobody's
2: business. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. He
1: did the first, after showing up 50 minutes into the show he did uh like a hundred minutes the first night are you sitting me and then he come the next day as we're going on stage he goes oh we got to cut the times by the way and i'm like okay like what he's like i want you to do 15 and mc because like in a traditional black show The MC is a lot more important than the other people on the show, right? So he's like, you do seven and then do seven in between. And he's like, the MC just wasn't prepared for that at all. And he's like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that, which I was like, great for you to say that. But like, I would have fucking done it. I'd have figured it out. You know what I mean? Uh, And so 15, I, I can, after having done the experiment- 15 minutes is not enough time <laughs> in front of a black crowd to make them trust you that the black friend joke isn't racist. I was also right. pitching merch, so I have to, like, get the merch joke in, get the fucking. And oh. uh, anyway, uh, bombed. I didn't bomb, but yeah. I had, like, much. Wor- the times kept changing. Every night, every show, he'd come in and want a different amount of time from me. Yeah. So it would be, like, 15, 20, 12 uh 17 like 17 how fucking exact? you can't show up to the place until it's 50 minutes after the show starts and you want me down to an odd number like uh, like something that's an odd number that oh uh but i i have video i'm so glad i got video (laughs) because i literally can just send it now i'm like this is me opening for mark curry and it's so much easier Mm -hmm. to get on shows like that now because easily Because it's like, you need proof of concept, right? And I Mm -hmm. I don't look like a guy that would do well in front of black crowds. By the way, I'm a guy that's probably not always going to do well in front of black crowds.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just, it's one of those things of, you don't, I mean, every crowd is going to be different. And I think that my biggest problem is stemming from, I mean, you just want your people to love you no matter what. But it's like, if I was to be honest with myself, and this is going to sound horrible when I say this, but like... I would put myself mentally more in that Chappelle category where it's like, I'm not going to be high energy. I'm going to be kind of like one of those mellow energy types where it's like, I'm going to tell you my jokes. I'm going to try to have good energy. But just like on my NBC audition, it was literally like I had to follow this gay comic who just crushed. I mean, he had the highest energy and then it's like, well, I'm going to look like shit following this. So maybe that's um, why
1: he doesn't think you're in the comedy community. Wait, what was that? I said, maybe that's why he doesn't think you're in the comedy <laughs> community. It's about badly.
2: Exactly. Hey, you know, <laughs> exactly. and you know the, the thing is, it's like, I've been on shows with black comics where, I mean, try following Nate Jackson. Holy mm-hmm. shit. You know what I mean? Like Nate just has some of the highest energy. It like, hands down. He's one of the best comics that I've ever seen, you know, bless the stage, but also, you know, to be on a show with Bill Bellamy and all of his crew.
0: Yeah.
2: Everybody on that tour has 10 <clears> times <throat> higher energy than I do. Like, I really pride myself on my writing as opposed yeah. to, you know, performance is exactly. Yeah. But
1: I, I think that's like, that's part. Another reason that I like it is like I said, at the beginning of this comedy is so segregated that I will go to a place, uh, where it's a predominantly black crowd mm-hmm. and, uh, most of the comics are black and I won't know most of the comics that are on right. the show. Um, and that's like, I don't even know what their level of experience is to think that it's, weird or not weird i just think it's weird that there's comics in my scene booked on the same show as me in my city like i live in tacoma this is a show in tacoma and i'm like i don't i've never seen you before in my life yeah because and i'll see shit where it's like a uh, like a facebook live Mm -hmm. and it's a sold out show and i'm like I never saw a poster for this show they didn't post on (laughs) facebook asking for fucking tapes like i don't i don't even know how to start the process of getting booked on this show right and so what but what i do think is like i have so much that i could learn from nate jackson Mm -hmm. or from mark curry or whoever that like yeah man i'm with you like i write I'm way more writer than performer. Right. Uh, I wouldn't put myself in the fucking Chappelle category. But... <laughs> I just want to say, like, I'm not. I'm nowhere
0: near a Chappelle. No, writer
1: I, Yeah, I think but... you mean st- stylistically, you're yeah. more Chappelle than you are Kevin Hart. I think totally. kind of like the, yeah, that's yeah. the divide. Uh, or um, a white example, Chris D'Elia, for a lot right. of reasons. You're, uh, <laughs> uh, I think that. Yeah, like, I it, I think that a lot of times it's just, like, if you, you see comics all the time that, like, they just do the same material, and right. I'm not even talking about, like, old road dogs that have the same 45 minutes. I'm talking about, like, open mic comics that just go do the same set, and they're like, oh, I wonder how this works in Renton. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you, like, you just want to get, like, the dopamines. Right. You don't want to get better. You just want the dopamines. And to me, mm-hmm. the, like, one, putting yourself in a situation that you're, not accustomed to right to like, yeah, man, I want to watch Ralph, P- Ralph Porter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had another, like a great moment in front of, Oh fuck, man. I had a great moment in front of Ralph Porter. Uh, I was in this contest and he was just came to watch. Cause I, I don't know if you like Ralph is cool. Uh, Ralph, like in that scene that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. I know how Ralph find Ralph is at shit watching people perform. Right. Ralph's like scouting young comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came to this thing and i uh, went up after a guy i went up after a black comic like a i wouldn't call him high energy but certainly like higher than me which is right. That's not a high bar to fucking clear but uh, he went up and then somebody one of the people judging the contest said uh you know you're writing it's tightened up since the last week it was like a week m- multiple week contest Um, And he goes, and you didn't say the N-word until like four minutes in. Except he didn't say the N-word. Right. He said the (laughs) word. (laughs) Shit. And he's a white guy. Oh, God. And so like the crowd really tightened up hard. And what I had planned to do was this black friend joke that I keep talking about. Yeah. And I was like. Oh, no. Yeah. This is yeah. either going to be incredible right. or the worst set of my fucking life. And I went Woo. out, and again, like, it crushed because there was tension around that topic. Damn. And Ralph came up to me after. He's like, dude, I don't know if I've ever seen you before, which, by the way, he's seen me, like, several times. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't know have ever, ever seen you before. I would love to work with you. I'm featuring it uh, at a Comedy Club, and I'm featuring here... uh in July I'd love and it sucks cuz like I would absolutely love to work with Ralph uh my wife was like basically 9 months pregnant when he featured so yeah. uh I like couldn't justify spending time away from her Oh, for uh, sure and then now like I you know he, was, I don't think he remembers who I am. I sent him a message actually six months ago or something, and not even a response. So like, <laughs> I've lost all. The, he's like a real Manny Martin in my life. Where it's gonna take it's gonna take fourteen encounters before uh, he oh sets me God. up. But
2: you know, it's funny though. Um, I don't know if I ever told you about the the Kevin Hart audition. You know, for uh-huh. Comedy Central, dude, that was one of those where. So little backstory. There was like. And this is kind of what scared me away from certain black rooms, right? Is that Anthony Tibbs used to have these shows that he would do on Sundays. And there was this one show where I used to have this joke about getting hit on by a gay thug. And I didn't really have an ending for it. But, it, you know, it was me being the butt of the joke again, right? And I'll never forget, Nate went up after me and just destroyed me afterwards, right? I was the butt of his joke for like probably seven to ten minutes right and I'm just the whole crowd's laughing and I'm just feeling like god I don't want to be here you know and uh so anyways I had this real sour taste in my mouth and I'm like you know what I'm not gonna do these rooms anymore because you know whatever and you know like in my mind I was like man Nate's such a fucked up you know and we squashed it since but um right before that audition oh you it know
1: it made you mad like it hurt your feelings that he- it did yeah
2: it cut deep man because it was like you know it goes back to that whole thing like with junior high where it's like you know, in high school, we're in oh, the all black school, but you, you know, you feel some kind of way. You know, it's like, you. damn, I just had a good set. People were laughing, but then it's like, now I'm the butt of this dude's joke, and he just turned the whole crowd against me. So, you, I like, I felt some kind of way. And it's like, I was still new to comedy, so I didn't really know that, you know, they're just sure. fucking with you and like,
1: yeah, because so. I feel like soulless, where I'm like, literally, whatever is the best thing for the show. Right. If that means they shit, on, like, if I bomb, please. Oh for shit sure. on me yeah, yeah. to reset the room right but even right, right. even without that like i'm just like let's make this show the best possible but i feel like that's very obviously not what like all of comedy feels because yeah. we have this whole cancel culture thing going on at yeah
2: man so you know so i felt some kind of way and you know we, we like it was probably like a month or two after that i saw him at like a show and he was like yo man i just want to make sure we cool you know what i mean it, like i didn't mean it like that and in the back of my head, I was like, "Motherfucker," you know what I mean. But I, but, I, but I was like, I was like, "Yeah, we're cool, man, right?" And so uh, we did another show with Phase On Love, and that weekend, Nate was like, "Yo, man, you know, I think Kevin's talking about bringing this thing up here, and you know, I'd love for you to be on it, man. Uh, they just need people without credits." And I was just like, "Yeah, cool, whatever, right?" And so,
1: Mr. Right Place at the Right Time. I know, right? Oh, so, guy. but
2: but I'm still kind of like salty in my head a little bit, and I was just like. And I just want I want everybody to know I got love for Nate. Nothing but love for Nate, man. And it's like you know, we should but, say
1: by the way since we've talked about him a bunch. He yeah. opened a comedy club in Tacoma for like oh, yeah, one yeah. weekend go, and then it's
2: yeah, it's definitely back once quarantine, COVID quarantine yeah. Yeah. Once quarantine ends, go check that shit out. Um but I just remember he uh he hit me up online and I was like, "Man, I'm not going to go do that. Fuck that audition, right?" And so the lineup was set. They couldn't take any more people. I think Jr. Berard had reached out and was like, hey, man, I don't have any credits. Can I do it? And Nate was like, nah, man, sorry, it's full. And I hit up Chris Rodriguez and was like, yo, yeah, man, you think I should, you know, he was like, man, don't ever miss out on an opportunity. So I reached out to Nate even after Jr. had been turned down for mm-hmm. being uh, full. And Nate was like, yeah, man, I always got a spot for you. And I was like, damn, he is, you know, that's like, that's my dude, you know what? He's looking out, he does, you know.
1: Also, fuck Jr. poor jr JR.
2: (laughs) (laughs) so uh we go to this audition once again all black room right and so i'm a little more nervous than you know being at parlor you know it's the mixed crowds that you know how to perform in front of but we just draw random numbers and they're like yo i just want to let you know the only two people who have um spots that kevin's people want to see are ralph and this other guy who i won't name but so they get the sweet spots of like, I want to say like number, I want to say it was like number four and five. Those were their numbers, the sweet spots, right? And so I want to say it was like Josh Firestein drew one, mm-hmm. Jim Stewart Allen drew two, and then somehow I think I got three, right? And um, Josh had a good set, but you know, you're kind of just like in that the crowd's not warmed up yet, so you're not getting the pops that probably you deserve jim stewart allen was doing like some medieval times type shit where the yeah, black tough, crowd was was tough, like we don't really know what the fuck this is about tough
1: draw it's... of a comedian for that crowd <laughs> so
0: and you know jim had already
2: told me he said like he was like yeah man one time nate came up to me it's like come on jim you know black people don't fuck with the medieval times <laughs> <laughs> so so um i'm number three so i'm like you know what i feel good you know what let me go up and uh just give it my best did my like My typical set that i had been doing for like the last month or two just kind of practicing for that and it went really well so then ralph is after me ralph crushes because you know it's tacoma it's ralph's territory they know ralph and then the the fifth guy you know they had told us to be clean because it's going to be tv appropriate right the fifth guy goes up and he says you know what fuck that i'm here for y'all you know what they want me to be clean, oh, but you wow. know what? Fuck that. I'm doing this for y'all. And then he just is like swearing. Da-da-da-da-da. He gets off to a standing go, and he was like, I'm out, right? Like crushes. But I was like, fuck, man, that was you were supposed to be TV clean. Yeah. So that guy's spot.
1: I'm, well, you'll tell me who it was off of the Yeah, I'll tell of you the, offline. Right.
2: But literally, I think that guy's spot um was what me and Bo Johnson had gotten. Because yeah. if not. Uh, It would have been either me or Bo and shit, I think that they needed somebody like Bo Johnson on it because it's like you want to show that there are white people in the Tacoma, (laughs) Seattle scene. Right. Uh, Yeah. And uh, I mean, I just it was one of those things. So I really learned from that never miss an opportunity, but also that I have to believe in myself as far as like I can perform in front of any room. It doesn't matter. I'll never forget Harlem Blue you know like you, you know harlem right
1: yeah speaking of guys that run the light holy shit. <laughs> harlem,
2: oh my god i would do open mics and i'd be like dude just do just do 10 minutes please and then he would do like 30 minutes and i'm like jesus christ it's an open mic there's like two people here at harlem what the fuck i was so, I,
1: i'm going to just tell a quick one i was mc'ing yeah. when he did guest spots and they were like you got to you gotta, you're going to do 10 and he did yeah. you know 24 <laughs> and then uh they were like okay you're going to do 10 and you have to get off at 10 And they gave him the light at four. Yeah. And he did 19. (laughs) (laughs) Just
0: no recollection of what time is. Yeah. Dude.
2: It's it's a flat
1: circle is what I've heard. I don't know. Yeah.
2: But, you know, it's like Harlem had one of those, like, kind of big brother moments. You know, I mean, he knows Chappelle. He knows, um, you know, all these names in comedy that J.B. Smooth, people that you wouldn't know. And... I think that, you know, sometimes I get, uh, I used to be so afraid in...
1: Just to be clear, I know J.B. Smoove. I, n- I don't know him personally, but I know who he is. Oh, <laughs> okay, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know,
2: for those of you who don't know, he's on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. you know, so... Leon. But, uh, yeah, hilarious guy, right? Yeah. And um, so Harlem knows them from way back when he was in New York. You know, Harlem was on Chappelle show for, like, I think an episode or some shit like that. But he pulled me aside one night, and he was like, he was like, yo, you need to tell your story. He was like... Don't be afraid of these crowds. You know, if they get upset that you got a white wife, whatever. He was like, you're a fucking unicorn, man. He was like, there's somebody out there who needs to hear your story. And to any comic out there who's, you know, maybe going through some of that or afraid to just be you. Like, at the end of the day, there is somebody who needs to hear your story. And it might, who knows, save their life, man. There's just, you can't be afraid to to be genuine, be unique. And, you know,
1: it is what it is. Also, if the opportunity to just be on Comedy Central comes up, (laughs) take it. If you're going to you know what? Take it. That's what I say. That's always been my motto is if the opportunity to get on national TV to do stand-up comedy. Oh, for sure. Take it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I don't know why I was such a pussy with everything. It was like, I I just, I literally, you know, and I think that there also is something to be said for every time you fail. You just kind of are feeling like, maybe it's not destined for me to do this shit. Yeah. But, you know, you got to keep on pushing on because it's like. It's, every time I try for NBC, I get one round closer to mm-hmm. being, you know, something. So yeah. you never know when your time is going to be called.
1: All right. I hope you enjoyed uh, Manny Martin. Manny is a great comic. I really enjoyed the Heart of the City tryout story. Uh, that happened... Manny got on Comedy Central right at, like, not long after I started stand-up comedy. If if you want to hear about that story from another angle, um, I have a podcast that I did called Comedians in Quarantine. I think there's 13 episodes. But the very first episode, I talked to the guy that we mentioned in there, Bo Johnson. And Bo, um, Bo also made the show. And he has a very different story from Manny. Of getting on to that show. All right. Last week, uh, Ben Shapiro, we talked about his. <laughs> ben Shapiro struggling to enjoy WAP. I'm not going to say it the way that my Alexa says it at me. As though she thinks I'm a an unsavory Italian. WAP, Ben Shapiro did not like it. I suggested that if we did not get a Ben Shapiro remix to the WAP song, uh, to the WAP beat, that the world was not fair. And I'm happy to report that in this case, in this instance, the world is in fact fair. Here's some of the lyrics. You ready?
3: I'm Horse in this house. There's some horse in this
1: house. There's some horse in this house.
3: There's some horse in, in this house. I said certified freak. Seven days a week. Wet ass P word. Make that pullout game weak. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you effing with some wet ass p-word. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet ass p-word. Give me everything you've got for this wet ass p-word. Beat it up and catch a charge. Extra large and extra hard. Put this p-word right in your face. Wipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top, if I want her fried. I do a kegel while it's inside. Spit in my mouth, look in my eyes. This p-word is wet. I'm taking a dodge. And continues uh, along these lines. Uh, and it gets significantly, significantly more vulgar. Like, oh, a, a lot more vulgar. Talk your s-word, bite your lip, ask for a call while you ride that d-word. You really ain't never gonna attempt him for a thing. he already made his mind up 40 he came. Now get your boots and your coat for the sweat-ass keyword. word okay, my tuition just to kiss me on this wet-ass p- right, so, this is D- guys, this, this is what feminists fought for. This is what the feminist movement was all about. Oh, no, he
1: didn't. So, first off, if you're not bobbing your head to that, uh, you got something wrong with you. That's a you problem, not an I-Marquise problem, who is the guy who's the producer here. If you want to follow him, uh, I-M-A-R-K, another K-E-Y-Z. This is his YouTube channel. 76,000 subscribers. You're doing great, i Marquise. uh fantastic it's the best one I've seen there's other ones out there that's the best the best one I've seen I wish they could have gotten I wish Ben Shapiro would have gone through all the lyrics because then we could have a full remix but as it sits we can only have you know one verse extremely funny uh the funniest I watched I when I found out it existed shout out to Amy uh who is The wife of a friend of mine, uh, who I'm not going to name either one, because specifically because she has a job that, uh, maybe she wants to remain anonymous. You know, sometimes people want, sometimes people aren't narcissistic monsters, and they want to remain anonymous. Also, she probably doesn't listen to this podcast, anyways. So, Amy, if you're hearing this, you know who you are. Thank you for for showing me the I Marques produced uh Cardi B and Ben Shapiro collab <laughs> uh all right the the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention happened at the same time or same day and I got to say Scott Bayo so Scott Bayo started trending because He was at the Republican National Convention. To start with, I don't watch either of these events. Uh, I cannot tell you how disappointed I was last election when my favorite bar, a group of people, would come into the bar and watch the debates. While there's sports going on, they would commandeer an entire room in this bar and watch the debates. I am I understand it's like it's it's like, I don't know, people think it's immoral to be apolitical. I don't think it's immoral to not let politics rule your life. And I think that if you have principles that are logical and ethical and moral, you don't need to spend your entire life analyzing politics. And so I don't, I just don't get involved for, also, I don't think, I think that this shit, like we've reached a point, like, I I guess I've, I don't understand why we can have unemployment application or recording your unemployment online in a way that's like secure and encrypted, but we can't vote online. Like the argument about voting for mail to me, we should be talking about voting on the fucking internet on your smartphone. Yes. Have it be heavily encrypted and give the 98 year old woman who has voted in a booth her whole life or wants to drop a ballot in a ballot box or whatever. Yeah, let her do that too. But I just, I feel like we're having the wrong argument. And why, here's another thing I don't understand. Why do we have to have primaries for so long? Why don't we just have, this is what I would like if I was running a party. What a stupid, what a stupid intro to a segment. You do the primary one day and you don't do rank choice voting. I think this is a situation where rank choice voting makes sense because when there's so many candidates, you go like, I want my you know, one through three. I want to pick my one through three candidates. And that's a way to get people, the majority of people a candidate they're willing to accept, I think. Primary one day nationwide so because what happens is by the time they get to some of these states the candidates that they voted for aren't even on the ticket anymore really they've dropped out of the race and it's that's yeah, just so stupid it's so inefficient and then the debates get rid of the debates get rid of the debates this is what you can't do with the debates in my opinion is and this is like this is like hack comedy rules is you got to get the audience away from the debates because when someone makes a bad but pandering point to the to the crowd in attendance we're stupid human beings are stupid republicans and democrats we're stupid the same way when you're at a comedy club the experience of being in a comedy club heightens the humor of whatever somebody's saying. There's, like, communal momentum to laughter. And I believe that of, like, that's that's why we fooled ourselves into thinking Hillary was going to win, is because she had these, like, mic drop moments. But that doesn't mean that people agree with her. Oh, she won the debate because she she fucking we're like measuring it in pro wrestling terms or comedy terms. People, people talk about in comedy, they talk about applause breaks. You'll hear, you'll hear uh, if you listen to any comedy podcasts, if you do comedy, if you know a comedian, if you love a comedian, if you support a comedian financially, they're lying to you about applause breaks all the time. Uh, (laughs) Comedians talk about that stuff too. And it doesn't matter. Doesn't make the point good. Doesn't make the joke good. A lot of times, what it means is you've just said something so agreeable that is a lie. Get the crowd away from the debates, less debates. And yeah, that's what I want, right? I want one primary debate, all candidates, followed by the primary. And in fact, I could go without the primary debate, but I think maybe that's whatever. Voting online, primaries all one day. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Scott Bayo was at the Republican National Convention. And I saw this trending, and I had an experience that I think a lot of people have in these circumstances, where they see someone trending, and they're like, oh, I know who that is. And then they find out why they're trending, and they're like, oh, I don't, that's not a very appealing trait of that person and then what i realized is i thought scott bale was scott Bakula for the whole time that i've and then i played the game with myself i'll do this every now and then when i'm driving places i'm like can i do this without uh without gps can i get to my destination without gps and then what i realized is that i thought I thought Scott Bayo was Christian Slater. I have no idea what Scott Bayo's done. Nor do I care if he's a Republican. I don't understand how this is some big uh how he abandoned people, why people are so mad about it, but I what is Scott ba- I mean, I guess I can look it up, right? We can do this. What's Scott Bayo famous for? Also, uh 60-year-old white guy, not a shock. Charles, oh god. Oh, was Scott, was Scott Bale Chachi? Is Chachi? He was Chachi. First off, very problematic because I think Chachi was a Latino man and I think that I think that uh Scott might be Italian. Really stretching it there, uh, Ron Howard. I guess he probably didn't direct Happy Days. I never watched any of these other things. I didn't realize Scott Bayo was chachi. Uh, nor would that have made me know who he is today. And then, the first off, like we have such a depravity. Depravity? Depravity. We have such a depravity in this country. Donald Trump's brother died. By the way, I don't know if I talked about it on this podcast. Did I? I started listening to Mary Trump's book. I can't remember what it's called. But um, I started listening to it. And it's, I think it's kind of embarrassing for Mary Trump, to be honest with you. Trump's a horrible dude. And he's a bad president. Let me maybe reverse those uh, adjectives. Horrible president, bad dude. I'm not, I'm not defending him in any way, but at least the beginning stages of Mary Trump's book, I think that at least to some degree, you can almost, you almost feel bad for Donald Trump because his dad seems like a monster. But when I think about men from that era, you are not talking about a bunch of sensitive, emotionally centered, in touch with themselves, men. We are talking about, I don't know what fucking Fred Trump did. And yeah, they're a bunch of, we know they're sleazy. We know as a family, they're sleazy, but I just, I think that story is more common. Men's relationships with their dads are fucked up. I tried to, I've tried to write a joke about this multiple times because like everybody that I know who's a guy, especially with divorced parents has like, they have a stretch where they didn't talk to their dad not everybody i know but a lot of the people that i know have stretches like that men's relationships with their dads are fucked up and yeah we should be fixing it or whatever i don't yes it's tragic i don't think the book is good is my point i was excited because I don't know. I guess I don't know what I thought. I because they fought so hard to have it not come out. But if it's a book with like real secrets. Like secrets that disqualify You got to put them in the first couple chapters. Come on, Mary. Come on, Mary. Uh, Donald Trump's brother died. Robert Trump. And Not only did he play golf the day his brother died, but he didn't tweet about it, which I am a person who leaves tragedy off of my Twitter. I mean, I I think I've, I don't know, I've tweeted a couple times about, I have a cousin named Travis uh, who died, I don't know. I guess almost five years ago. And he was an Oregon Ducks fan. And so I've had like a couple things where uh, I have a secret. And the Ducks, like, he had cancer. He was really young. He was in his early 20s. Uh, And the Ducks sent him stuff. Like, they were really cool to him. So while I hate the Ducks on principle <laughs> as a sports fan, I have like a soft spot for him now. And maybe that's the, the biggest thing I've brought to Twitter. So that but that being said, we know Trump is selective over who he eulogizes. And so he retweeted some stuff his kids said about his brother but didn't tweet anything out himself which is very sleazy it's a shitty thing to do but this guy is he's shown us who he is and then i i don't know man i just i think like the the people who the people who take pleasure in other people's deaths it's so we're so we're such hypocrites Across the board, we're hypocrites. And by the way, I'm, a, I'm telling you, I'm going to be a hypocrite at some point too. I try to be principled. I try all the time. I try to have principles, even when they're unpopular. I think that's the most important time to have principles is when your principles are unpopular and to stick to them. As long as they're created in good faith, you stick to them. And uh, I just can't. I can't celebrate somebody honestly like even the Anton Scalia dude people were dancing on his grave on social media figuratively of course and I can't bring myself to that point he's yes he has been the author of some pretty regressive legislation still a man died still a wife is without a husband Uh, kids are without their dad you know we can go down the whole fucking family tree (sighs) It's okay to joke about it, though, by the way. I will laugh at your jokes. I just can't bring myself to it. And a lot of people aren't joking. A lot of people are very happy or they're they're trying to find, like, the irony and suspecting and implying that he died of COVID. And maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Uh, I don't know what that's going to change. So for me, it's not important. And then lastly, let's get to some really important stuff. Uh, there's a comedy show in Royersford, Pennsylvania, which I only know about because some of my favorite comics have been invited to perform there. It's actually a comedy festival, but it's like a, I think it's like a, basically like two weeks in outdoor, uh, different headliners every night and a comic named big J Okerson, not to be confused with past podcast guest big J Hollingsworth. But uh, Big J okerson got pulled off the stage by a fan, and then his fans, uh, a fan, he got pulled off the stage by an audience member, and his fans jumped on the on the guy, and his comedian buddies jumped in, and I think this is—I don't—I'm not like a—I'm pretty much in favor of participation trophies. I got no problem with parts. I don't understand the like why anyone gives a shit about a kid getting a participation trophy. Why depriving another kid of a trophy? Listen, you want to go home and break your kid's trophy in front of him or her? That's fine. You do what you want. But why do other kids getting trophies mean something to you? Why does depriving someone else bring you Joy and I played sports at like not a high level, but like a decent I was like a decent high school baseball player. Decent. Decent. That's as good as it decents a nice, a generous description of my baseball talent. But I played in like some, you know, at that age important games and stuff. So I'm not like uh no competition pussy. I will say as an adult I've stepped away from being as competitive. I do think that being extremely competitive is a to- it's toxic for you. There is toxicity to that especially in high doses. Especially in creative fields by the way. But what I do, I do have a problem with this idea that like microaggression. This is why I don't take microaggression seriously. I guess this idea of microaggressions, which is just dis- microaggressions, as I understand them, are like little things. By the way, I think there's like uh, I'm not saying they don't. They're uh, what I'm. I guess what I'm saying is is that I think most of them are incidental, and we should fix them through culture and not through shaming individual people. And so we talk like toxic masculinity was a cause celeb a couple years ago. And let me tell you what, if uh, I get ripped off a stage, I'd like a couple toxic males on my side. That's what I'll say. I was at a uh, comedy show at a place that would typically not be thrilled about having a straight white dude perform, um, went fine. I actually don't mind, like a hot crowd's a hot crowd. I certainly don't think that uh, every joke I have is going to go over in that room, but a man approached the stage and I looked around and there were two people that stood up, me and another guy. There's a woman uh, hosting the show and a man approached the stage that was not on the show that was trying to essentially commandeer the microphone from this woman. And I looked around and we weren't the biggest guys in the room. We weren't the the youngest or most strapping guys in the room. But it was me and one other guy stood up. And a lot of people sat and watched in fear. By the way, I don't want to fight this guy. I don't want to fight anybody. I'm a grown man with a child. I don't want to fight anybody, but what I especially don't want is to stand by while people get taken advantage of. And I think that's like that instinct can be toxic in high doses, but I'd like it around when I need it. All right. Uh, fuck this podcast. It sucks. I suck. Maybe we all suck. Good guests coming up, uh, even despite the computer issues. Some very, very good guests coming up. So keep listening, please. It's going to keep getting better every week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Manny Martin. Follow him at Manny Martin Jr. across, the, to my knowledge, all social media platforms. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Follow me at the Casey McLean. See stand updates at the McLean.com slash calendar. Uh, follow me on Facebook. I'm up to like 1,600 um, people liking my page. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, we got some big 2021 comedy news coming up. I'm, I'm hoping to be able to announce uh, the beginnings of in the next month or so. So check back on that. Thank you for listening. Why the fuck am I still talking? Thanks. I'll talk to you next week.